So I would buy a two flat, uh, rehab it, rent it out, refinance, and then either sell it or hold on to it. And uh, so I just kept doing that. And the goal was to take the profit from the flips and, and pay down the, the, the mortgages on the rental. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams, the win-win maker. And I've got Rosario Terraciano. He is uh, celebrating his 15 years working exclusively in the investment real estate industry. Rosario owns a company called ClickInvest, which is a cool system that he pioneered almost 10 years ago, which allows you to just click a button to send an offer. It's kind of incredible. I hope we get into it. And Rosario has uh, represented investors, rehabbers, builders, banks, institutions in more than 2,500 transactions valued over $300 million. Rosario was the winner, number one uh, broker in Chicago in 2013 and ranked nationally in the Wall Street Journal. He has built a career working with investors to stabilize distressed properties and now brings that experience and expertise to this venture. Question number one, Rosario, let's go back to 2003. Yep. The year you decided to quit the finance industry altogether. I want to know what was going through your mind when you decided to go full-time real estate. Awesome. So um, I, I'm a very vulnerable guy and like to get transparent. So I'm not a fluff guy. Uh, so I'll just spill everything that was happening at that time in my life. So it was actually a very dark period in my life. Um, I was trading at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, um, had a finance or was in finance. So it was trading overnight futures and um, was just in a dark place. I mean, I kept working to make money to go out and party and then to make more money and go back out and party. Um, and I actually came across a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. And that book actually led me to the Bible. Um, and when I started reading that, I got out a lot of the stuff that I was in involved in. So I got my head clean for the first time in a very long time and then felt. Uh, you know, if I wasn't going to be in the stock market, I had to be in another industry where there was no top and real estate ended up being that industry. So I, I read a book called uh, The Millionaire Mentor um, by Russ Whitney. Um, and then that's what really spearheaded me to jump out of the stock market and then dive in headfirst into real estate. Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned two different books. Um, that One of them was The Power of Positive Thinking. And well, yeah, and you mentioned the Bible, um, but you also mentioned Millionaire Mentor. Yep. Um, let's, let's just go in a little bit to the power of positive thinking and kind of maybe give us like two or three real takeaways that changed the way you thought and what really brought you to, um, you know, changing your life. Okay. Um, I won't turn this into a complete sermon, <laughs> but uh, for me personally, um, I was so focused on myself during that period of time where I, I was pretty selfish and I wasn't looking outside of myself. I wasn't looking at, okay, you know, is, is there, is there some, is there more to life than, than what I'm experiencing? So in that book just really showed me where my place was um, and that there was this higher power for me. It's, it's God. God is this higher power in my life and gave me a sense of purpose. And if I am to be living and working for a purpose, you know, what is that purpose? So that book really helped guide me and steer me uh, on that path. Um, the other thing is the head game, 
right? A lot of times we, on a daily basis, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a mother, father, whatever, you have this negative self-talk always going on in between your ears. And a lot of what we're dealing with or a lot of problems that we're facing on a daily basis are kind of self-inflicted. So the book really helped me to just, you know, through scripture specifically, um, you know, what are the verses of scripture that would help increase my faith and help me to stay more positive and focused on a daily basis so that I can be more of a giver than a taker. Okay. Thank you for going into that. Let's talk about the millionaire mentor. Uh, What's one or two, because we got divine, you found your divine purpose and also you learned a little bit about how to get into that head game and um, combat the negative self-talk that we all um, have from time to time uh, daily. And let's just talk about like the millionaire mentorum. Maybe what's one or two things that you really got from that book? I, I smile because the first thing it said was find a hard money lender. <laughs> oh, really? uh, yeah. So the, what was great about that book, I mean, this was what, almost 20 years ago. It's crazy to think it was that long ago, but um, like 16, 17, whatever it is. Uh, talked about building your network and connecting with the right people in your space. And my gift is connecting, um, you know, just reaching out and networking and and seeing um, who can add value to me, but at the same time, who could I add value to? And one of the first things it said was, if you're getting into real estate, you got to connect with a hard money lender. So I went to the newspaper, found a guy uh, right in the back, said, need money, call Joe. Uh, And that guy, you know, 16 years later, whatever, is, is still a good friend of mine and part of my life. And he helped connect me to a ton of other people. Um, so I'd say the biggest piece is, you know, going out there, networking and looking for the right people to connect with. Because as you know, everybody's got their own circle and yeah. it's very hard to find the right circle. So you just really got to keep digging until you find that right circle. And if you show up and you're honest and you have integrity and you're looking to add value, people will help you. It's when you show up and you're trying to pretend to be something else that a lot of those those guys don't care to talk to you. You know, I absolutely agree with that. So, on millionaire mentor, uh, the big thing that I would say is your biggest takeaway is just building your network. And yep. we talk um, Robert Kiyosaki. We talk about him a lot. He's been very influential in the um, space of real estate and money. And he always talks about your, your network being your net worth, but he always mm. says um, the people who, um, there's the rich people, they really look at building their network. And uh, contrastly, the, the people that are, don't, are not rich, um, they're more focused on build, you know, looking for work, looking mm. for money. And um, couldn't agree more. You definitely got some really good takeaways from those two books, which really brought you into this space. So when you first got in, you partnered with a broker and um, you started doing, I think that it was reading your bio, you started getting into distressed properties almost immediately. It sounds like that was you being an investor and uh, maybe rehabbing these. Is that accurate? Yeah. So I started out wholesaling um, as a lot of us do, right? Uh, No money, nowhere to start. Uh, So you want me to dive into that piece a little bit? That'd be great. Okay. So um, this, so the broker I partnered with was an REO broker and it it was three, three weeks of me showing up at his office and him saying, I have no time for you. (laughs) And, and me saying, well, you know, I want to work with you. And he's like, well, I'm not going to pay you. And by the third week of me showing up consistently, he said, okay, I'll give you an opportunity. I'll teach you the game, but I'm never going to pay you. You need to go out and earn, you know, your, your keep 
And then by the way, I want half of everything you do. <laughs> and I said, sure, let's go. Cause I, at this point I, I, I knew nothing about the game. So he taught me um, how to wholesale really. Curious question. Why were these properties going to be demoed by the city? Um, Great question. So a lot of these were, um, well, south side of Chicago, a good chunk of them. And they were vacant. Uh, they had a ton of building code violations. And the city of Chicago, if a property is vacant and they start tagging it with violation after violation after violation, and it remains vacant for a certain amount of time and it's paid off, um, so they can't go after you know the bank. They can't they can't go after the whoever the owner is, um, yeah. or the owner's not willing to do anything about it. They'll stick a what's called a fast track demolition um, order on it. So the city figures it's a lot safer to just have vacant lot than to have this building that God forbid somebody could get hurt in. Um, so yeah, so these properties were just tagged by the city, and they were given a date. In most cases, a lot of these were given maybe three months or five months uh, to their demo date. Um, and then that's when, I mean, that's as motivated as sellers you can get, especially when there's no mortgage on it. A lot of them were estates. So, you know, Susie's now living in Indiana and, and it's, it's mom's house and mom's passed away and she's got this house with a ton of violations and she's like, what am I going to do with it? You know, so. So you made 45 hundred on your first deal. How many weeks, months, or years did it take you to do that first deal? Uh, I was only a couple weeks. Okay. So as soon as I got in, um, this was April, 2003 and I left the Merck probably in May, you know? So yeah. two weeks after starting, I got my first one and that's all I need to see. So, I mean, 4,500 for me back then was, you know, a month and a half worth of pay at mm. the Merck. So, um, I'm like, all right, if this, if this can sustain me for a month and a half, then I'm just going to go do more of this. You know? How long did it take you to get your second deal? Not as long. I mean, at that point, I started to get in a steady, steady flow. And um, at that time, too, I started to source on the MLS as well. Because back then, similar to now, um, it was super competitive. And I got really good at identifying opportunities on the MLS. So the REO broker essentially taught me how to do BPOs and CMAs and how to find the deals in, on the market that had equity. And being an REO broker, he had a list of a ton of investors that were constantly calling him to work with him. So he's like, here you go, kid. Here's a list of you know, 20 investors. I already work with a few of them. Find them good deals. They'll tell you what they're looking for. And then you can start filling orders. So I went from finding those off-market deals, were, which were great. But then I started to find deals off the MLS because a lot of these investors just didn't want to put the time into it, right? So I'd find, I would find out what the investors were looking for or, and, and what type, and it was a lot of no, 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 yes, you know? And then I just got really good at that, like identifying, okay, this is, this is the deal they're looking for, and then I would just rinse and repeat. Um, I was, I was I'd, say few, I'd say about three months in, I was probably doing anywhere from like seven to 10 transactions a month or seven to 10 wholesales or assignments or um, what we call bird dogs, right? Okay. You were working with a broker yep. um, and this was his strategy. You were not licensed, right? Or you were? No, initially I was not when I was doing the wholesaling okay. and then I got my license. Okay. And so what you're plan was or what the way that you were approaching um, real estate at the time um, could be done 
in both ways, whether you were a broker and just brokering the deals or whether you're more of a bird dog and getting signed. Okay. All right. So either way you can make money that way. And you did transition. It sounds like. So for a time you were actually a uh, wholesaler yep. and then after a little while you s- decided to get in and, and get your license as a broker. Yep. Okay. Okay. So how long was that transition for you? Uh, it wasn't that long. It was probably about a year or so. Cause as I started to do this more and more, I saw the MLS as, as a huge source for me and it didn't matter if investors had licenses or not. They still wanted somebody out there looking for them. So I'm like, well, you know, what the heck? I'm sitting here wholesaling, which was a lot of work, you know, and I had a good source, but it was still a lot of work and a lot of pounding the phones. Um, and then I had this source, the MLS, which was just rich with properties, and I knew how to identify those deals. Um, so I said it just made more sense for me to get my license to just pick off deals right off the MLS for these guys. Okay. So I'm um, just kind of getting a timeline of your transition in through this business. In 2003, you started wholesaling with that broker. Yeah. Uh, about a year into it, you got your license. Yep. And you continue to do uh, a similar um, Representing way. investors. Yeah. For another year or so. Yep. So now it's two years and you're doing your very first um, I'm calling it a reposition because I'm used to doing multifamily uh, fix and flip. You're doing your first fix and flip on your your first rehab. Um, What did that look like? Back then, and I'm still the same. I mean, I have a passion project and long-term vision of getting back to where I started. But um, my goal was to be um, essentially a mission-minded developer. So I went into some very depressed areas on the south side of Chicago and I started buying rental properties. So I would First deal, I'd buy a single family home, rehab it, rent it out, refinance, so the Burr method, and then do it again, and then do it again, and do it again. Um, I was just starting out, had no idea what I was doing, had no construction experience, had no money, I mean, very little money. Um, So I raised money from family and friends and essentially built like my own little fund. So I got up to about eight rentals, and at the same time, I was flipping on the side. Um, So I would buy a two flat. Uh, rehab it, rent it out, refinance, and then either sell it or hold on to it. And uh, so I just kept doing that. And the goal was to take the profit from the flips and, and pay down the, the, the mortgages on the rentals. Um, that was the goal, <laughs> but blew up in my face. Uh, tell, us, tell, tell us why it blew up in your face. You know, I'm a huge believer in mentors. I know I, I saw you at Andrew Holmes' uh, event uh, recently and Andrew and uh, Andrew Holmes of Chicago Rea and his crew are amazing at what they do. When I got into real estate, it was literally me looking at all the investors I was representing and saying, huh, I can do that. You know, didn't go out and get trained, didn't go out and find the right mentors. I just jumped into it head first thinking I, I, I could figure it out. Um, had no construction experience. So I was getting ripped off on the construction, um, had no idea how to lease a property. You know, I, I love everybody <laughs> and tenants took great advantage of that. You know, so, uh, oh, you don't got your rent this month. It's okay. Here's a turkey, you know, like uh, just I'm gifted in some areas and I've, I've failed tremendously in others. But we're sorry, had, yeah. were you managing your own properties then? I was. I and was. you had six or eight of them, right? I got up to eight rentals and then I had 10, uh, roughly about 10 two flats. So eight I, single families. Oh, 10 two flats as well? 
Yeah. So yeah. what? How many doors total? So 30 30. Yeah, around thirty. Close okay. To 30. So I did the same. Well, you 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 grew a lot faster than I did in the beginning. Um, but I did a very similar thing. I was managing my own property, and I exact I had the exact same thing that you did. Um, in fact, right before buying my first multifamily, I was managing someone else's multifamily, and I was a hard ass when come when it came to rent when it was for someone else's property. But for some reason, when it was my property, I had the same um, heart as you. Uh, this this. Oh, okay. Friday, no problem. And Friday turns into Saturday, turns into next Friday, turns into the first, turns into next first, turns into your best friend owing you seven grand of rent and uh, lost relationships because we do things like that. So if you can allow me to ask you a question hypothetically, yeah. what may have happened if you owned your 28 doors the, and you had a professional property manager in place. What may have that may that have looked like for you? Um, it certainly would have helped with capturing um, rents because what ended up happening was, as soon as the market turned, I started to default on the two flats or the projects that were going because we literally went from ARVs of three fifty and they dropped down to like one seventy five two hundred. It was a bloodbath. Um, but, you know, it was robbing Peter to pay Paul. I was like, you're taking whatever rents you had on this side to pay the mortgage on that side and back and forth. And you just couldn't stop the bleeding. The, the, the property manager would have definitely helped. Um, but I guess the, the bigger issue was the, the construction. Because I didn't know what I was doing, these properties were all rehabbed wrong. And it's garbage in, garbage out. So the second a tenant had an issue, I didn't have money to, to go in there and fix it up. So then a tenant would move out. So even if I had a property manager, deal with dealing with crap product, you know, um, which is which ended up being my biggest issue. I just, you know, I got ripped off and thought that I, I paid for something and got something else. So right. unintentionally became a slumlord, you know, to be honest. Appreciate you going through that. So I have two questions queued up and then we're going to get right into the final five. I want to move along, okay. but man, this, these next two questions are, are, I think are going to help a lot. So first off, um, when you owned all these rentals, who owned the rentals? And by that, I, I mean, what? Yeah. Entity? yeah. So I had, uh, so it was JV partnership. So I had partners on everything, every, whether it was four properties with Trinity developing or uh, four properties with, um, wasn't Pangea, gosh, at the time. Wow. So Terra 2 was another one. So I had different entities set up. Um, the partner was really the guy on the hook for most of them. Um, I'd be a partner in the LLC, but the loans were, were under the partner's names because they were more credit worthy than I was at the time. And then I took care of everything else. So okay. I took care of the, the project, the acquisition, the rehab, the leasing, and then the management. So what's the short story on, on how you took a bloodbath? Market turn, values dropped. Uh, I couldn't weather the storm because the properties were rehabbed poorly. Um, they were leased up poorly. So if they were rehabbed right and leased up right, I, I could have been okay. I mean, the LTVs dropped, everything. I mean, unless the banks called the notes due, um, I would have been okay. I would have, the cash flow was, was enough to cover the nut and it was minimal, but I, I would have been, you know, I would have just weathered the storm. Um, but because they were 
rehabbed poorly and, and leased up poorly. I couldn't, couldn't get through it. Um, gotcha. Properties that I was buying for 65,000 as is on the South side, uh, single families were or even now to this day, you can pick up for 7,500 as is and two flats I was buying for 150 or I'm sorry, 120,000 and then rehabbing and then they were worth 350. Now you can pick up the same two flats for 30,000, you know, so it just yeah. bottom completely dropped out and still hasn't, and those areas still haven't recovered. Thank you for going into the details of that. And let me ask you just a quick question on, on the Chicago market. Yep. In your opinion, is it a pretty strong market or is basically, I think the reason I'm saying this is because my company and a lot of people that I know are afraid of buying in Chicago. Yeah, a lot of and people. So I, just, I just wanted to get your feel for it because you, you already mentioned that you and I got together when we were, we talked while I was in Chicago speaking at those events. And, um, and when I was, I actually had a few people kind of open my mind. Some people said something like, well, there's some areas that are growing 15% year over year while others are, you know, diminishing 20% year over year. As a whole, you know, it looks like one thing, but overall, there are some areas that are really good. And I, I just kind of had my jaw drop and, I, and it was just very interesting. So in your opinion, what is the Chicago market like? So all depends on, um, sorry, answer a question with a question, single families or multi? Ooh, very good question. And both. <laughs> okay. So single families I can speak to because that's all we focus on is single families. We won't even get into two, two to three units. It's, it's literally all single families. I think the single family market is very, very hot right now. Um, but we don't like to touch the big stuff. So similar to, you know, what Andrew preaches in his, in his meetups, we like the, I'd say the, the mid to lower tier of the market. So if you're all in for 300K and under or all in for 250 and under, that's where we like to play. And we think that market is very, very strong, uh, regardless of where you're at. Um, as you start getting higher, you know, 400 ARV, 500 ARV, that market I think is very soft. And the higher you go, the softer it gets. I think guys are getting really beat up right now, especially on the north side of Chicago, where you're trying to sell a, a two-flat deconversion um, you know, once was a two flat, now it's a single family and you're trying to sell it for 1.2 or 1.3. I think that market's really soft and, and saturated. So single families in, in Chicago, I think are very solid. If again, you're 250 to 300 and under, um, multifamily, unless you're doing value add, um, I don't think the, I don't think the caps are there. You know, a lot of investors have come into our space and they've all said the same thing, institutional clients, everybody, that the caps aren't there. So you're either going to go into an area that, you know, is, is maybe a CD area and, and you're going to have to add a ton of value and then you'll get your cap. Um, or you just got to get creative, you know, and, and figure out how to add value to whatever, whatever complex you go into. So very strong for multi, just the caps aren't there. Okay. Well, um, just today I, I learned a lot. I went through a lot. It was really fun, uh, you know, getting to know your journey through what you've done. And I think it's very inspiring. I'm personally running out of time for this recording. I have an event that's coming up, so I'm going to cut it short. And what I want to do instead of doing 
the final five. I want to ask you two questions, but we're going to take a yeah. quick break and then and then well, I want to learn about uh, click invest and I want to get your vision of where where you'll be in five years. But awesome. let's let's take this quick break and we'll be right back. We'd like to thank our sponsor, EcoSpace Real Estate. EcoSpace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. First question is, what is your vision? Where will you be five years from today? What does that look like? Uh, so the real passion behind Click Invest is you know, giving time back to the investor. So our average client was spending 20 to 30 hours a week looking for their next flip or rental property. Now with us, some clients are down to an hour a week. So we do all the heavy lifting. We're sending out 20 to 30 opportunities a day for our clients. And if they're interested, they just click a button. So um, our goal really is to take that time savings to as many states as possible. So we, we already got licensed in uh, Florida. So we're opening up the Florida market and we're already licensed in Georgia as well. So the goal is to just keep opening up those markets. But you said five years from now? Yeah. Five years from now? Um, the whole goal of ClickInvest is to, is to put me in a position where I can get back to where I initially started. And that's going back to the south side of Chicago. Um, my goal is to start a non-for-profit and, and to really dig in deep into that area and build a mission-minded portfolio. Meaning, you know, you're, you're buying in these areas that are super distressed. You're rehabbing, you're renting them out, whether it's a subsidized housing or the market tenants. And whatever that cash flow is, it's getting turned right back into that fund so that it can fund... Um, whether it's after-school programs, community development, um, helping launch entrepreneurs in that area. You know, what, what people tend to do, and, and me being more on the institutional space and then coming in, everybody's looking at this as a trade, okay? I feel I've been called and pulled out of the dark place that I was years ago for a reason. Um, I lost my dad when I was young. I went through all sorts of nonsense and, and trouble and got myself into all sorts of trouble. And Nobody talks about the real crisis on the south side of Chicago. There's, there's a lack of fathers around. There's a lack of mentors. There's a lack of people that, it's, that are pouring into these kids. So my goal, God willing, is, is to build click, click Invest in a way where I can now be freed and throw myself 100% back in the south side of Chicago. Awesome. Awesome stuff. So right now, Click Invest is in three states. Yeah. So I mean, the ops are not started. We're licensed in three and now we're building the, 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 the ground operations in Florida and then jumping into Atlanta. Great. And uh, ultimately, will you be in all 50 states? No, the, the goal is, so we're focused on the 10 top markets in, in I was going to say in Illinois, <laughs> the 10 top markets in, in the country. So if there's not enough volume, um, per quarter in a specific market in terms of flip, um, we're not going to go there because we have to create uh, brick and mortar and, and have boots on the ground. We have to be able to sustain ourselves. So we're just focused on, I mean, at most 14 markets, you know, that, that we want to dive into um, and then go from there. Great stuff. How do people find more out about uh, Click Invest and, and you? How do they reach out to you? Uh, you can go to clickinvest.com. Uh, it's www.clickinvest.com. Or you can email me directly. It's rosario, which is spelled R-O-S-A-R-I-O 
at clickinvest.com. I mean, I'm an open book. If, if I can help somebody from making a mistake or doing something they shouldn't be doing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. So. Awesome. And thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Learned a lot from you, your journey, and uh, looking forward to hearing more about your five-year plan, being able to give back even more and more in the South side of Chicago with the lack of fathers. Uh, appreciate you going through this entire thing. Incredible to be able to be the top uh, broker in, in a state and ranked nationally, fourth nationally in the world uh, or in the country by Wall Street Journal. Just a lot of really good things and, and I appreciate your time, your open bookness and um, I hope you come back on the show again. We can chat a little bit more. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.